We would like to welcome you to our weekly broadcast of Harvest Worship Center's Sunday morning celebration service. We hope and pray that you will receive something from the Lord today. And we ask you to stay tuned at the end of the message for more information concerning our church. Again, thank you for joining us today. sickness, whether it's a spiritual battle in your in your life, maybe for your family, whatever you may be going through right now, there is no other name but the name of Jesus. Everything has to bow at that name. Oh my goodness. Oh, there is power in the name of Jesus. There is power over death and sickness. There is power over sin. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your presence. We speak your name in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Give him one more big praise as you're being seated today. Oh, my goodness. It's good to have you in the house of the Lord. I'm excited about where where God is leading us and what he has done. Um, I'm, I'm sure we'll get these again in just a moment, but there's a few things coming up. Uh, we have our, our campfire night and chili cook-off coming up this uh, uh this week. Uh, as a matter of fact, this Wednesday, I'm excited about that. So uh, come be a part of that. Also, um, with the cooler weather, you'll be glad for some fires, hopefully. Um, also, I'd like to uh, make mention just real quickly um, that our Forever One Marriage Conference is coming up this Saturday. Um, please make plans to be a part of this conference. Um, husbands, wives need to be there. You need to be there. You need to be there together, be a part of that. Uh, it is going to be a great Saturday. Uh, we've got some special guests coming in from uh, Birmingham, Alabama. Even though they're Bama fans, I still love them. But it's, uh, well, actually, I don't know if Lori is or not. I know Eric is, but she's from California. But uh, uh, Eric and Lori Washburn are just a wonderful, uh, they're wonderful friends, but a powerful couple who loves the Lord, and they're coming in to minister this weekend. I think you're going to enjoy them. Um, they've got a, a, just a whole lot to, to share and to give, and, and I'm excited about them being with us this weekend. So come be a part of the Forever One Conference, and uh, wives drag your husbands, husbands drag your wives, come be a part of that, and say, hey, be with me at Forever One. Uh, we are wrapping up our series on miracles today, so if you have your Bibles, we are going uh, again to John chapter 1, and we're going to be looking in, in the Gospel of John today to kind of wrap this series up, but we're going to be talking about the miracle of the incarnation, the miracle of the incarnation, and a lot of people don't realize uh, what the incarnation is. As a matter of fact, um, without it, then we would be following a, a, a fairy tale. We would be following a lie, and today I want to establish what a miracle this was, because this miracle is what all the other miracles, ha- without it, they would have never taken place. The miracle that I talked to you about that is the most lasting miracle, and I've drove this home every single message in this series, is the miracle of salvation. That is the only one without an expiration date. But the, the miracle of salvation could have never taken place without the miracle of the incarnation. And, and there's a reason the Lord kind of drew me to this. So today we're going to talk about the Word, the way it became flesh, the way it dwelt among us. We're going to talk about the implications of Jesus becoming flesh, being born of a virgin, what it means when the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We're going to talk specifically uh, why that's important. 
The other day I was walking through Walmart. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, this was probably a couple of weeks ago, and I went through the garden center to pick up some things I needed uh, for around the house. Uh, I had some fire ants. I was going to kill them out. And uh, as a matter of fact, as I was walking through the garden center, I noticed something very unusual, and it was Christmas decorations. And it seems like those get out earlier and earlier every year. Um, we hadn't even gotten uh, Halloween out of the way, and, and Christmas decorations are up. As a matter of fact, there's a very small fall section compared to what they've got out for Christmas now. I don't know if you've noticed that. And that happens quick, more quickly than usual. Now, uh, for those of you that know me, uh, you know that I get really upset when we skip to Christmas and we miss out on, you know, Halloween. I can take it or leave it. I know some of you guys love it. But, uh, you know, and I'm not here for a spiritual debate on Halloween. We use it as an outreach, and we're going to reach out to people. Amen. Like we always do, getting forward, looking forward to that night as well when we uh, set up and do our hot chocolate and, and our, our Bible giveaway, all those good things. But but uh, I, my favorite holiday is Thanksgiving. I've always loved Thanksgiving. Um, it's just, and it's, it's not because it's not because you eat a lot. As a matter of fact, uh, I'm not eating as much as I used to eat. And so, uh, you know, that's, that's not what I look forward to. What I look forward to is just what it represents, that, 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 that moment where uh, we can live our lives very unthankful, but it kind of makes us, the very name of it, focus on Thanksgiving. Well, we skip Thanksgiving evidently, and we're right into Christmas. As a matter of fact, if you are listening to Christmas music, the altar is open, and, and you can repent at any moment for, for Christmas music in your life. If you're watching Christmas movies, you know, God forgives. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Now, uh, again, I love it. My point of this is this. It's not Christmas yet. However, uh, it, this did get me thinking about the last message that I would share in this series on miracles. And the Lord began to draw me to the incarnation. What a great miracle it was. As a matter of fact, when the last prophet spoke on the earth uh, before the coming of Christ to this earth, 400 years would pass. And it's known in theology as the 400 years of silence, the the gap between the closing of the Old Testament and the opening of the New Testament. And I love what Max Lucado says. God could have chosen any way to break his silence. He could have broken it with, with, with trumpets sounding and declarations in the sky. But instead, the silence of God was shattered after 400 years with the cry of an infant in a manger. Isn't that amazing? He, cry, he shatters his silence in, in a baby's cry in the middle of the night. God became flesh. And I want to I want you to, to get the gravity of that as you walk through the next several months. And that This miracle of the incarnation, this miracle of God himself wrapping himself up in flesh and blood to come and dwell among us. The Bible says he made himself a little lower than the angels. Why? Because he wanted the human experience. And uh, if you sit in my class on Wednesday nights, we talk about that our God is an experiential God. He's a God that... that he, yes, he knows everything, but he is also a God that, that, that to truly know, he knows you have to experience it. Now, I can sit all day long and tell the coaches on Saturday or on Friday night how to coach, but until the whistle's hanging around my neck and I've got the responsibility of a team, I really don't know the pressure of coaching. None of us do, but we all can do it better. Amen? Anybody do it better? We all can do it better, but until you actually have that responsibility, you don't know. As a matter of fact, all 
all of us look at our bosses at work sometimes and think I could do better. Now, uh, you, you know, maybe you could, maybe you could, maybe you couldn't. I don't know. But look, until we have that responsibility, we really don't know. There's a lot of people think, well, you know what? I think I could do a better job than you, Pastor. You're welcome to to give it a go. I promise you, it, it, it's not the it's not the the fantastic ride you think it may be. Um, you know, it's, it's good, but there's struggles just like anything else in this life. When we follow the Lord, we all seem to have this inside track of knowing how to do something, but unless we truly experience it, unless we truly go through it, unless we truly know, it, now I, I, like I said, um, there's a lot of, a, a lot of Sunday morning coaches and Saturday morning coaches that can do it better. But I'm telling you, it is God in his greatness knows that in order to truly know, uh, something you have to experience experienced something. So the Bible says that he became flesh and he dwelt among us. Now, first John, or John, the first chapter, not first John, but John, the first chapter, verses one through 14 is where we're going to focus today. And I want to just read that to you real quickly. And it says this, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men. The light, uh, the, the light uh, shined into darkness and the darkness has be not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, speaking of John the Baptist. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, very important thing, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Again, establishing verse 10, the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Isn't that beautiful? He gave the right to become the children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as the only son, from the Father full of grace and truth. The word, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. What is the word? Maybe you haven't asked yourself this question. Maybe uh, just think think it's a reference to the Bible. It is not just a reference to the Bible. Uh, it, it is something, uh, it has more to do with communicating, that something is being communicated to us. The first occurrence of this word, the concept being in the Greek, the logos, okay, that means the word, does not appear in the Bible, but in Greek literature and culture. The logos was the divine ruling principle of the of the universe eternal. In other words, before it showed up in the Bible, it showed up in Greek literature, Greek philosophy, and they spoke of the Logos. And the Logos, you got to remember, the Greeks didn't worship one God. They worshiped every God they could possibly worship because they didn't want to tick off any God or get any God upset at them. So if there was a God, you know, out there, they worshiped that God. And so they said the Logos was the divining ruler principle of the universe 
universe eternal, an intermediate between God and man. It was the interface. If you are uh, someone who likes, anybody got a telephone in this room? You got a cell phone? Anybody? Nobody does. Poor people. Anyway, you, anybody got a cell phone? If you don't wake up, we'll be here till the twelve o'clock services. Are, you know, we we got a cell phone. Anybody got a computer or a tablet that they like to use? Do you realize that cell phone and that computer? It is an interface into the internet. It is what allows you access into the internet and allows you to to get online, to stream movies and to research or do whatever you like to do. It is that interface. God says the word is our interface with him. So the concept in Greek culture uh, is is recorded as, as the logos is the interface. Now, bring that into the word of God. Jesus is the word made flesh. He is our interface with God the Father. It is how we connect with God. Without him, we don't connect with God. Without him, we would still be offering lambs and goats and turtle doves and all kinds of uh, of sacrifices. But because of Jesus, we have a direct interface with God the Father. As a matter of fact, Hebrews declares that I may go what? Boldly before the throne of grace, obtaining grace and mercy in my hour of need. I don't have to cower. I don't have to fear. But because of Jesus, amen, that powerful, powerful name, I can come into the presence of God the Father this morning. You can come into the presence of God this morning. The Greeks believed in many gods. The Greeks had a God for everything. Hearing the echoes in this verse, the word made flesh, or in the beginning was the word and the word was made flesh, reminds us of the very beginning of the Bible. In Genesis chapter 1, which says, in the beginning God created. John 14, 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was the beginning. In the was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. Note that verse, verse 3. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. God started it all in Genesis chapter 1 and guess who was there at the very beginning? The Logos, the Word, Jesus himself. In the very beginning of the Bible, Jesus was. So if there are those that teach that he was created. He was not a created being, for therefore he would be subject to corruption. But the Bible says he knew no corruption. Why did he know no corruption? Because he was not born of a man. He was fathered by the Holy Spirit, born of a virgin, incarnated on this earth. He is the son of the living God, and that makes him higher than any other name. And at that name, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess to the glory of the Father, that he is Lord. Amen. Oh, let's give him a praise this morning. Can we do that? It is because of that name that we find hope. It is because of that name that everything started. He did it through Jesus. God spoke and the word was God. Amen. And Jesus was there at the very beginning. Talk doesn't come cheap to God. Speaking is, speaking is, is synonymous with happening to God. In other words, God doesn't just talk about it. God does it. Amen. There's a lot of people that think God just talks about it, that God just speaks about it. God, if he speaks, he does. 
It's synonymous. When God speaks, things happen. When God moves, things happen. When God says it's time for a miracle, the miracle happens. It's not, I, I want you to understand what we need. It's not more miracles. What we need is the word speaking into our lives. We need more of the word of God because when God speaks, things happen. Amen. Amen. Because it's synonymous with, with word is action on God's part. In other words, in fact, some words, uh, some word is used for the word that is used for word in the Hebrew and event in the Hebrew is the same word. The, the, the word used for word and event in the Hebrew language is the same word. Amen? So that means they are synonymous in the Hebrew language. So when it says the word, that means it's an action thing. That means something's happening. Something's going to happen. Jesus is eternal with God in the beginning. In other words, he has always been. He is Jesus Christ, what, yesterday, today, and forever past. He is the God of the past, the present, and the future. He has always been. He will always be. You say, what is the importance of this? You do not realize how much this is under attack in theological realms today. You do not realize how this is under attack in secular universities today. That this concept of a virgin birth, this concept that he was before. You see, they can't deny the historical Jesus. You can't deny him historically. He was here. I mean, our, our calendar is based on him. <laughs> As a matter of fact, the, the, the B.C. is before Christ. In other words, he, there was a pivotal event that we said, we're going to mark the split in history at the birth of Christ. That's where we're going to mark it. And that you cannot deny him historically that he walked this earth and that he existed on this earth. So there is no denying that. So if I can't attack him historically, I will attack his deity. So his deity has been under attack. And I'm going to tell you today, church, if you don't believe he is who he said he is, then you might as well walk out the door because there is no hope for you. If you're believing in the historical Jesus and not the divine Jesus, then there is no hope for you because it was the Word made flesh and dwelt among us. It was God clothing himself in the flesh of an infant and being born of a virgin. Why was he born of a virgin? Because within man contains the seed of sin. Amen? Within man. So he couldn't be fathered by a man but he was born of a pure person. Amen. A young teenage girl, more than likely. I want you to think about that. Your Savior. Your Savior. Whew. I don't know all the mysteries of this, but isn't that going to be something to ask the Lord about one day? Jesus is eternal. He has always been, and he will always be. So something, something this passage makes clear to us is simply this. Jesus is divine, which means he is God. He is fully man, but he was fully man, but he was also fully God. He was and is and is fully God. Uh, was and is and, and always has been fully God. But that's not the main point that I want you to get this morning. Jesus existed in the very beginning, has been under attack for generations. It is not the pre, it, it, if he did not preexist, he was not God. And if he was not God, then he was not a Savior. And if he was not a Savior, that means that his blood meant nothing. 
And if his blood meant nothing, that means that he died. And if he really died, that means he didn't resurrect. Because if he didn't resurrect, then there is no hope of our salvation. Do you see it all unravels at the incarnation? If he wasn't who he said he was, then it all unravels. But because of the miracle of the incarnation, you and I can celebrate the fact that my salvation saves me, as, as, as Paul wrote, to the uttermost. In other words, it didn't go just halfway. It didn't go just part of the way. It washed me clean. I want you to understand something this morning. If your sins have truly been forgiven and you have laid them aside, amen, because it's not just saying forgive me and continuing to do it. What does the Bible say repentance is? Repentance is not just saying I'm sorry. It is an about face. It is turning my back on my old life, and it is walking in a new life. And I'm telling you, if you have done that this morning, your sins have been washed away, and you've done that about face, and you're walking in the newness of the Lord, then you have been saved to the uttermost. You have been saved completely, the Bible says. He didn't leave one spot of you unsaved. Amen. But you have been made a new creation in Christ. He was fully God. This is why Jesus was able to do miracles on the earth uh, and, and why he is still able to do miracles on the, on, on the earth. John is correcting everyone who thinks that Jesus was not God. He is correcting everyone that thinks that he didn't exist in the very beginning of all things. He is taking care of some corrupt theology, and he's saying, if you've got one idea that this man was born of Joseph and Mary, but not, not, not divine, then I want to erase it right now, because this Jesus, he always has been. He always will be. Amen. My dad used to say this, and, and I love this statement, and, and I want to quote him this morning. When Jesus came to this broken world, he saw a lot of factory defects. <laughs> he had a lot of factory defects to deal, deal with. He saw a lot of imperfections. He saw a lot of things that sin had, 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 had destroyed or corrupted. He saw factory defects. And, and he uses an illustration about the blind man who came to Jesus, and Jesus spits and makes mud. He says what he saw was a factory defect. This man was supposed to have healthy eyes. He wasn't meant to be born with no eyes. He wasn't meant to be born blind. He wasn't meant to stumble around in darkness. In other words, no one was meant to suffer sickness or harm or disease or mental illness or all of these things that plague us because of sin uh, that was let through the gate in the garden by Adam and Eve. He said none of us were supposed to suffer that. So guess what? The master designer and the master builder named Jesus came to this earth and he looked and he saw these broken pieces and he says, I fix that. I can fix that. As a matter of fact, I've had some things that, that have broken before and I've looked for parts in stores and I've looked for parts in different places and there are some parts that can be only ordered through the manufacturer. You got to go directly to the person who made it in order to get a replacement part. What are you saying? There's some things that Jesus knew could not be fixed by by man. Some things that could not be remedied through sacrificial systems or or priest or or, or or temple worship. He said, "There's only one way to truly remedy it, and that is for me to become flesh, to dwell among men, to die on an old rugged cross, to go to the grave, to to experience what the grave was, to come out of the grave on the." Third day to be resurrected in glory and power to be ascended back to the father to send my spirit to empower the church he said all that can't take place unless i become flesh unless i go to them 
Every other religion in this world is about you trying to do enough to get God's attention or some God's attention that you might find mercy and grace. Every religion in this world except Christianity. Christianity is the only faith where God pursues us. A few years ago, a book came out, and it went, people went pretty crazy over it about 10, 15 years ago. It's called God Chasers, and it was a good book. I read it. And it was a good book, and I understand the principles beside it, but, but I, I, I much prefer that I, I realize that God is not chasing me. He's already here. All I got to do is stop and acknowledge his presence. Amen. To, 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 well, I'm running from God. You can't run from God. The psalmist said that. You can't hide from him. You can't run from him. So he looked and he saw a world full of factory defects, sickness, brokenness, woundedness, uh, wounded people, hurting people, disturbed people, and sinful people. Instead of creating us, uh, to, uh, instead of uh, instead, he created us to enjoy the fullness of his presence, not to experience the brokenness of this world. He's, he, he, he created us to enjoy him in the cool of the day in the garden. But because of the defect of sin in our lives, creation has suffered from that day till now. But at that moment when Jesus became flesh, sin got a notice that the cure was at hand. In him was life, verse 4 says. In him was life. Some of us, we, we claim him as our Savior, but we're not living life. We're just existing. Some of us go to bed at night, and we still have guilt and condemnation in our life. Now, there may be some reason of that. Condemnation is one thing. I think that we have, you know, we, we look at people and we're like, you shouldn't be condemned. Well, condemnation is one thing, but conviction is another. And how dare us pray conviction off somebody? Conviction comes from the Holy Spirit. Condemnation comes from man and from self. But conviction is what we need to move in the hearts of people. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. What is he saying? Darkness did its best to overcome Jesus. Darkness did its best to destroy the light. Darkness gave its best punch, but it came up wanting. It came up lacking. What is it? The devil did his best to snuff out the light, but he couldn't even put it out at death because our Jesus rose again. He is alive alive today. I'm telling you, you and I have victory if we would walk in it. God despised the heavenly father, despised the earthly things that had become unholy. As a matter of fact, God needed an intermediary or the word to take its place to go between man and him. It was because God couldn't soil his hands or, or dirty himself with the unholy things on this earth after sin was released upon it. In fact, God would, would not, not only touch the, he would never only touch the earth directly again till the birth of his son. As a matter of fact, we read of angels showing up and the spirit of God moving, but we never read of God himself walking this earth again until he comes in the form of a man named Jesus. There was a need of a direct intervention that was found at the incarnation of, of his son, Jesus. 
there was only one fix to the problem of mankind, and that was for God to take on flesh and to become a man. As the song of, uh, that Chris Tomlin wrote many years ago says, he became sin who knew no sin, that we might become his righteousness. I want you to know Jesus took upon himself, though he was not sinful, he took upon himself every sin this world would ever ever experience. He put, it was put upon him. Now, you might not understand the language of this, but if you study what the Lamb of God is, you will find out that during the Day of Atonement, the Jews would sacrifice a lamb. They would have a sacrifice uh, to the Lord on the Day of Atonement that came once a year for the entire nation of Israel. This would not just be something you would do. They always had sacrifices, but this would come on the Day of Atonement, and they had what they called a scapegoat. The scapegoat would, 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 would symbolically be turned loose. It would be set free. That's where we get our term, scapegoat. Research it. It's pretty interesting. But the priest would take his hands and he would place them on the head of this lamb that was to be sacrificed on the Day of Atonement. And this was symbolically transferring the sins of the entire nation upon this lamb that was innocent and had no reason to die. That the lamb would lose its life and be sacrificed and the sins of the, of the nation would be forgiven. But the Bible says there was a flaw in this because the moment one sin was committed, everything was undone again. I want you to understand that's why there was a need for something better. As a matter of fact, Hebrews says this, he came and established a new covenant based upon new and better promises. That new covenant was through Jesus himself, our high priest who was also the lamb. He was not only priest, but he was sacrificed. And when he came, he gave everything for you and I. Why? Because you and I, he took on our sin. Though he had not committed it, he did everything you would ever do. He, or not, he, he didn't do everything you would ever do, but he took everything you did and put it on himself. And there on the cross, because of the weight of my sins and your sins, the spotless Lamb of God became spotted by me. And the Father turned his back because of the sins that were upon the Son. What a miracle. He became flesh. The true light which gives light to everyone was come, coming into the world. Verse 10 says, He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, speaking of the Jewish people, and his own people did not receive him. They rejected him. But to all who did receive him, who believe in him, and, and, or believe in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. This word right is the same word you'll find for birthright. He gave you the title and the inheritance to become the children of God, or one translation says to become the sons and daughters of God. who were not born of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, 
but of God. Just as he was not conceived through the act of a man and wife, but of the Holy Spirit, you and I are born of the same Spirit. And the Bible says it is the same Spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead that will raise us from the dead. I want you to think about that. So why do we walk beneath our authority? Why do we go on believing that maybe I'll get lucky for a miracle? When God speaks, there's action. When God speaks, mountains move. When God speaks, healing takes place. When God speaks, nothing can stop it. When God speaks. What are you saying? So with that said, the greatest miracle of all is the incarnation. Because without it, there could not be salvation. If Jesus wasn't who he said he was, then you and I are following a lie. But because he is everything he said he was, you got hope today. He is your miracle today. That got me thinking. And I understand the scripture that says you have not because you ask not. And I understand seeking God for a touch and being prayed for. I think all that's biblical. I don't think we need to do away with that. And I didn't realize they were doing this song that they'd done earlier this morning. But I love that part. It says, I just want to speak the name of Jesus. We would like to thank you for joining us for our weekly podcast. We pray that you receive something from the Lord today. Please share your prayer requests and testimonies with us by emailing us at tryonhwc at gmail.com. If you'd like more information concerning Harvest Worship Center, you can visit our website at tryonhwc.com. We would love for you to visit us in person sometime. Our services are held at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Children's worship is during our 11 a.m. service. If you would like to give to the ministries of Harvest Worship Center, you can also do this by clicking the Giving tab online. Once again, we would like to thank you for joining us today, and we pray you have a blessed week.